Bible says the message of the cross is foolishness. 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 Foolishness to those that are perishing, but to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. Well, guys, welcome to the Foolishness Podcast. Uh, Before we get into the full-on intro and everything, I just want to say something. As we are doing this, um, the Ray Barbie podcast, we went really long, and the goal was Ray is such a part of skate history. I didn't want to take out anything that was relevant. If he's been one of your favorite skaters over the years, and we've been good friends. So as he's sharing just the most practical things, where he grew up, what he felt, and how the law was dealing with him, I want almost the first episode to be more about his upbringing and skating, and that's exactly where he went. And then we'll cut for a second and the second episode will come up right after. And really that's where Ray talks about some of the struggles he went through and how the Lord shaped him. But if you notice at the start of this, Ray was going to do the intro. He wanted to send over a song. So it begins right there. Then our interview starts. So hope you guys enjoy it, guys. And please, for the new listeners, like these things, subscribe on the podcast. It's available most places you can get podcasts. Go over to the YouTube channel if you want to see a lot of them in video. Ray wanted to do it with just the audio so he wasn't distracted looking at me because when we do Zoom chats together, it's just goofy out. Maybe we'll put one of those up in the future. But for now, share, like, all that stuff. And guys, for those who partner and support, you have no idea. These things take a lot of time to do. And I hope it's encouraging and blessing. So God bless you all. Here's Ray Barry. Hey, thanks for having me on the podcast, Brian. I'm going to start us off with a song that I wrote called Find Enjoyment.
Well, guys, what is going on? This is Brian Sumner. Welcome to whatever episode of the Foolishness Podcast this is. And we are <laughs> deep in quarantine. And I got to tell you, I don't know what is going to happen today. A lot of you guys who are in skate land, you kind of might have opinion of the industry and the scene and culture of all these people who are so separate and distant, but that really isn't the case. And we all know each other. We're all friends. And my brother today is a guy who needs no introduction. As much as I talked up Jamie Thomas in a prior episode, my brother today, and I say brother because he's brother in Christ, know each other for decades. He is definitely a pioneer in the street skating realm. I mean, covers of magazines, videos, all the tricks that you're seeing out there. I believe he has had such a part in these and some of the questions I'm going to ask are going to unpack that. But most importantly, you know, he's a son of God. He's a husband, a father, a talented musician, one of the most fluid skateboarders. So, Ray Barbie, what is going on? Thanks for having me, Brian. <laughs> <laughs> I'm laughing because I know this episode is just going to be both of us laughing alone. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man, yeah. Like, where do we, because we know we talk now probably once a week on a Zoom call with a bunch of them, our friends. And Which we've been such a blessing. Man. Yeah. yeah. Like what, 13, 14, 15 people. And, and I know you're like me, you're just, just going through this season. But there's so much I want to jump into today, like your past and how you discover music, skating, and the talents you've been given and what has been going on in your life so far. But, but to confess something, guys, we were actually going to have Ray intro this whole episode and play a song and say, welcome to foolishness. This is not Brian Sumner. And I just got to ask you, Ray, <laughs> were you going to try and speak in an accent? Or are you, are you above that? No, no, it's not that I'm above it. I'm without the ability or the talent to do it. <laughs> so That's why I don't go there. Yeah. People know me sound Irish or Australian, and I just laugh. Yeah. But, oh, man. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, in my head, I feel like I could do it, but the reality is it would be horrible. So Yeah, stick to the um, music and the skating. I guess that's what we'll do. Leave the acting to the others. So Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but man, but, but to go today, just, just for, I know we're going to have a lot of listeners. You know, we said this with the Jamie Thomas episode. I've got, you know, Eddie Elgar on the phone even in a minute just messaging me, Brian, where should we go and we do an episode? And you were iconic at a time in skating when, for one, I mean, the fact that you're black, Ray, that was huge back then, right? There wasn't many black skaters. I definitely want to jump into that. But yeah. you came out as this skater that just was fluid and smooth. So you were born where? Okay, so I was born in San Francisco. Okay. Uh, yeah, my parents, my, my dad and my mom, yeah. um, they were both in the military. Hmm. Um, and so... Um, my dad is from um, from Arkansas, Little Rock, Arkansas, and my mom's from uh, Alabama, Mobile, okay. Alabama. And so, yeah, so they met, I think, in the um, yeah, in the service. Yeah. And when when they were done, then they moved to San Francisco, mm. thankfully. Yeah, and that's and that's and that's where they had um, me and my brother. Um, Lived there until I was five. Hmm. Then um, my parents moved us to San Jose, just about an hour south. Yeah. And it was there in San Jose where 
yeah, where skateboarding happened for me. Mm-hmm. Who was the influence and who was skating then? Like, so I had, yeah. so I had a neighborhood buddy name was Danny. Um, there was a bunch of us that lived in the area that went to school together. Um, and this was at this point, what I'm the time frame I'm referring to is the summer in between sixth and seventh grade. And me and my buddy Danny, we would kind of just be riding our bikes, cruising around town, just trying to entertain ourselves, you know, going to other friends, um, uh, you know, and hanging with them and things. Yeah. But my buddy Danny, it was his birthday that summer, and his dad gets him a skateboard. And because his dad, his dad, um, had skated in the seventies during the park era. Okay. Yeah. And so and I think the first was, wave really to kind of hit, you know, it went from the wooden surf skate style to parks everywhere. And so he just yeah. gets the next progression for his son. Yeah. Yeah. So, so, so again, him, him, you know, being a part of skateboarding in the seventies, mm-hmm. um, he had this idea to get his son, Danny, a skateboard for his, his birthday. And, um, <laughs> and and so I'm there at his birthday. We're all there. It's a birthday party. We're all there. And you know, then the big the big the big moment arrives to give the, <laughs> the biggest gift or whatever. After and, the clown is done and the cake's being eaten, <laughs> here it comes. <laughs> and, and all of a sudden it was like it was glowing, you know? And yeah, man, here's this skateboard that um, all of a sudden because and I say all of a sudden because my my image of a skateboard before mm. seeing that one was we call them banana boards yeah and and that's it's it's funny because that's what the penny boards are nowadays yeah were, yeah you know back then they were called banana boards and those are the boards that most of my friends would have but it mm. would be in the you know, it'd be in the, the, in the garage amidst all the other kind of toys, you know. Yeah, it was a random toy, really. You, you grip it with your toes if you were good. Those guys wore the tight shorts and kind of the, the ginger yeah. afros. It wasn't like something that a kid on a bike's like, I want to go do that. Yeah, yeah. It's like a novelty. Yeah, I mean, it just, it didn't, it didn't seem any different than the hula mm. hoop and the, the roller mm. skates and, and even a bike. To me at that point you know yeah. um it was just like kind of like these something to do or to like a toy to just try yeah to, have a go on once in a while yeah yeah and they were always annoying and every time i would try to try it out <laughs> i'd always get frustrated because it was super slow and and yeah you know and you're 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 it's it's bending and bowing and you're just kind of like ah whatever mm-hmm. um so that was my impression of a skateboard until I seen Danny's skateboard. And then I was just like, wow, like it was glorious because <laughs> now it's like 10, 10 inches wide, 30 inches yeah. long. It's super colorful. It's got this very dynamic graphic on it. Yeah. Um, and you just kind of knew that that was not a toy. <laughs> Yeah, a lot of work had gone. I mean, the graphics at that time, and what what graphic? Do you remember what it was or no? So it was called it was called the Veriflex Vectra. Okay. Yeah. So it was a real skateboard. I mean, it was legit. Oh, dude, it was it was legit. Yeah. And did yeah. Dad know he was getting a legit skateboard, 
or what? Like, was he, this is the uh, top know, of the line? I, yeah. I, yeah. I mean, if he didn't, he, he, hey, uh, did, a, he did a great job. <laughs> he put the clown <laughs> to shame. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Cause, uh, you know, and again, like who knows how close he stayed to skateboarding from mm-hmm. the 70s, you know, this yeah. was like, this was 83 around that. Veriflex would have been around. I mean, with the wheels, they were definitely, he probably knew the brands. And so they were, yeah. Them, yeah. Okay. Yeah. And Veriflex at that point might've been a little more commercial than most mm. possibly, but yeah. again, but then come to, find, you know, so he might've even got that. He might've got it from a skate shop or he might've found it. I don't know. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, at, at another kind of store possibly. Yeah. But, um, so he but gets anyways, his board. all of a sudden, he's got that board. I'm riding my bike now because, again, we used to always ride our bikes. All, all you know, up until that point, all summer, we we're just riding our bikes. So now he's yeah. he's he's trying to balance and pushing on the skateboard, and I've got my bike, and I could just tell he was having way more fun mm. than I was. And I was like, man, I want to get a skateboard. And so I remember like you know crying to him about it, or just being like, man, I want to get a skateboard, and. <laughs> And then um, he proceeded to tell me that his his mm. dad used to skate, and I think he still has his board in the garage. And so, mm. sure enough, we go in the garage and we dig around and we find it, and it's it's called a Sims Wood Kick. Yeah, and and it's called a Wood Kick be- because of uh, it was before it was pre molds. Okay, <laughs> and so wow. and so they 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 had an add-on piece at the tail that. Um, that would give you that feeling of like a kick like right like it like a little, was it a little block like a wooden block Is that yes a picture? little block exactly a little like block. a simu valley skate they, they have it up there they have some there, it for sure for sure yeah 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 and so it sits on top and it just kind of does like a little at the tip on the tail it kind of does what a tail would do it kind of arcs mm-hmm. it, it right it arcs yeah it up. Give the pressure so, to pop it up and make it move and stuff. Yeah. Yeah. And, and there was no tape on it. There's no grip tape. Right. So I'd imagine a lot of that had to do with, um, you know, there's kick bare, turning. Bare right? feet kick, as well. Yeah. Bare, bare <laughs> feet, kick turning and having something to work with, you know? And so, so anyways, yeah, it wasn't the, um, it wasn't the banana board and it wasn't the Veriflex. It split the differences and, you know, it was in between. But, so your beginning um, of skating was very humble. <laughs> you were right yeah. in the middle. But, but, I, but I was excited because, again, it wasn't the banana boards. It yeah, wasn't what yeah, I yeah. wanted it to be, but it wasn't that banana board. Right? Wow. And, yeah. so, um, and so then we kind of, I think that was like towards the end of summer. So then we go back to school in seventh grade. Mm. And, you know, we kind of, we're, we're kind of aware now of like, dude, who are the skaters, right? And then there was like a there was like the surfer skater wall at school, where um, that's where all the surfers and the skaters hung out um, during recess and lunch, right? Yeah. And we wanted to identify with those dudes, <laughs> and so but we didn't know them, and they were like older, like eighth graders, which back then seems like such a big gap, right? Yeah. And um, so we go over to the wall. And just try to like criddle in and kind of like try to make it look like we're we're part of their deal, but mm-hmm. not be noticed by them because the reality was is that we weren't <laughs> a part of their deal. And um, yeah, and then one guy noticed us and was just like, "Hey, you know, like yeah, 
just yeah addressed us and was like hey what's you know what are you guys doing what's your name when wow. we get the talking and they're like you know what'd you do over the summer and we're like oh we skateboard and they're mm -hmm. like you guys skateboard we skate too come hang out with us <laughs> and man like it was like yeah it was like it it entrance, entrance into this whole new world right there with those with those dudes being accepted uh, all, of you guys yeah and then all inclusive and and just saying come into this brotherhood basically and well, it sounds it sounds to people that don't get it like okay this is some corny american movie you know like a diary of a wimpy <laughs> kid you're over there with your buddy like what are we doing and then the skaters are so embracing but i'll tell you if you looked at photos, which you shouldn't do, of me when I was 12, 13, it's like Adidas tracksuits, Nikes, Reeboks. It just looks <laughs> ridiculous. Then I literally seen a photo yesterday of me with that Powell Peralta Pat Brennan board. The first board I ever had. Rad. You had a Pat Brennan? Oh, yeah. I'll send you the photo in a bit. It's crazy. And I, I, you awesome. know, I believe he's passed now. Yeah, I'm yeah. saying I never met the guy. I'm, I, we, I'm guessing you did, you know, but yeah. you guys were for the same team. But I remember going to America, getting that board, coming home. And just like you said, it was like, well, who are the skaters? Because I didn't, you know, meet up being in California. It was way far removed as far as who was over there in England. So there was two or three kids that I might have ever met who skated. And like you said, when you see everyone's board and you're, What's a venture truck? What's a gullwing? And the shape of the board, it's this American toy and you've got it and you're falling in love. But then, I mean, you've been to Liverpool, I think, or at least most parts of Europe. There's a huge culture there that we'd never seen. So as we went into that, we were accepted in. That became the family. I said this on the Jamie Thomas podcast, but that kind of became the religion. So this now takes direction for Ray. How do you go from that to your first board? And yeah, and then just what was the scene? Who was the influence at that time? So, again, this is around 83, right? Like, going back to school. So, 83, you're figuring around, what, like, fall, August kind of time, you know? Yeah. Um, again, I always say it, like, around that time, like, I never got to experience, because of getting into skateboarding in, in 83, like, that was after the the park era of the 70s right you know in the 70s with all the with all the parks they get shut down because of you know insurance premiums skyrocketing mm -hmm. and now there's they can't afford to to keep the par parks happening right yeah and so then they get demolished yeah and then everybody those who can start taking it to the backyards right mm -hmm. meaning with ramps they start building ramps so when i got into skateboarding it was kind of on that kind of tail end if you will mm -hmm. of the back backyard ramp era again meet these skaters at school that embrace us into the brotherhood yeah and then then these guys they're the ones that have been doing it for you know however long and they're the ones with the community mm -hmm. and and so they see me with the Sims wood kick <laughs> and they're yeah. like, we got to get you a skateboard. <laughs> and so, you know, I remember, I remember, I, I think maybe it was with my friend Todd. He was just like, Oh, you know, like so-and-so's just got a new skateboard. And that's what's so interesting back then. Everyone yeah. knew about each other's deal. Like so-and-so got the blah, blah, blah skateboard or yeah. his parents got him, you know, the, the Christian is the Sims Christian is or whatever. <laughs> So there was a dude that just got a new board. And so they were like, we think he'll sell you his old board, right? And so we go skating over to his house 
And he's like, yeah, I'll sell it to you for $5. And so um, <laughs> I go and like beg my parents for $5. I think I had to do some chores or something to get the $5 <laughs> in there. Go they back. Were good, they the- were good parents. They were showing you have to work hard. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And uh, uh, bought that skateboard. It was a jammer. It was, uh, which was like the low, mm. the, like the low line Santa Cruz. Again, yeah. living in San, I mean, living in San Jose, Santa Cruz was an hour away. Right. And yeah. so, so Santa Cruz had a big presence in San Jose, especially for skateboarding. And, and who so, was the team right then? It was Dressen? Was it was in? No, way earlier. So was that what Jalia? Okay, well, Jeff yeah, Kendall yeah, stuff or no? Yeah, it, yeah, exactly. It was Kendall, Kendall and Roscop. Um, there's a bunch of amateurs. Yeah, Corey O'Brien. That's the had, name that was going around my head in a minute. Corey O'Brien. So I remember all those sloppies on the curbs and just seeing yeah, the cool images. Okay, but this is but this is before street. Corey like this was hmm. back at ramps amateur you know and did um, you have a brother Gavin O'Brien was it Corey yeah. Gavin okay yeah exactly yeah yeah that's gotta Gavin. be from some old 411 you know with like Simon Woodstock and Mike Crabtree and these guys and it's like totally. Gavin and Corey are showing up randomly I guessing well with the jammer what was funny was like so I get this jammer it was like the low-end board um in the Santa Cruz you know line if you will or whatever mm-hmm. and you know, the Sims would kick that, that board was skinny, right? Like, again, it was kind of a glorified banana board, <laughs> you know? And so, um, I'll never forget, like I got the board, but I had to put those trucks on that board. Oh, so, no. so like the trucks were so, <laughs> they were like, you had so much board outside of the wheels, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So the balancing of it, you're constantly tipping over, you know, but yeah you're so excited to be doing it. You're not even caring. Right. Yeah. You know? Um, and then after that, getting that board and then, um, the, the, again, like the brotherhood of skaters that embraced us. I mean, these dudes were doing it. Like they had, yeah. um, uh, my buddy Todd and Mike, um, they had a band called retaliation. Hmm. And so they would practice at Todd's house and wow. Todd's house, and Todd's house was the backyard of just on the other side of their fence in their backyard was the school. Mm. Right. And so Todd's house was the hangout. Todd's parents were awesome and just supporting us and la- and letting us just do our thing there at the house. Yeah. So, so they had a band room and then they had a quarter pipe. It was a uh, wow. uh, five foot high, eight foot wide. It's like dream session for like a young Ray Barbie. You got music going and you got well, the, it's the what, session. Yeah. I mean, it's what um, made those interests and desires accessible and, mm. and, and be able to explore and participate and develop in them. Mm. You know? it's, yeah. The, the, the accessibility of it. It's crazy how important accessibility is, right? You know? Yeah, if that's um, what you do daily, it's just going to become who you are. Yeah, some kids well, just are starved of it. They don't, have, they don't have any of this. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, because to me, like, I wanted to play. I'm an MTV baby. So, meaning mm-hmm. MTV came out when I was in fifth grade, you know? Okay. And so, before I even seen a skateboard, even be- before I seen, you know, what I would say, like, a real skateboard, um, I was excited about wanting to play guitar. Yeah. Through, through MTV in fifth grade. Mm. But... I, but I didn't know anybody who had one. I didn't know anybody who had an electric guitar. Mm-hmm. So, like, to me, in my world, it was no different than seeing, you know, someone on TV, yeah. you know, 
an actor or somebody on TV where you're just like, that's a different world. Yeah, right? it's like, so distant just, to you. It's not in your that, neighborhood. Yeah, it doesn't exist in your realm. Like, that's mm. just some dream kind of stuff that just, you know. And so, <laughs> and I always tell the story. I was, because I was super into, um, you know, my dad would take me, my brother, and my sister. Uh, every, like, every other Friday would take us to a, um, a record store. Um, it's called Rainbow Records. And it was just, it was in San Jose, but it was outside of where we lived. We mm. lived kind of in um, Malpitas area, and I, in, I think Rainbow Records, I forget, but I want to say it was like in, um, in San Mateo or uh, yeah. just, out, out, just outside. Um, but we would go there, and because of MTV, now we had these like kind of favorites, right? And so, yeah. so for me, I, I dug ACDC. Like, I had an emotional connection to the guitar because... You know, you have to remember back then with MTV, you know, it was a pretty lofty goal. Mm -hmm. It was pretty ambitious to have 24-7 music as a television channel. Oh, yeah. You know what I mean? And the way that they were pulling it off early on was, Mm -hmm. yeah, some people were already hip to making videos. But for the most part, you had to fill in that time with, like, concert footage. Yeah, And so they would get the rights to all these different kind of concert footage and they would either run the whole concert Mm -hmm. or clip certain songs, right? Yeah. And just rotate them, you know? And so I'm seeing, and back then, a lot of the concerts were from like the metal bands and stuff. So I'm seeing, I'm seeing Zeppelin, I'm seeing Sabbath, I'm seeing... Ozzy, I'm seeing ACDC. Surely Iron Maiden, right? Yeah. Yeah, you know what I mean? You're seeing Judas Priest. You're seeing all of this stuff. And I just remember, like, Mm -hmm. just being like, wow, okay. Like, you could tell, like, the you could tell each person's role. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like, you could see, like, man, the singer's the main dude. Mm -hmm. He steps up, whether it's Robert Plant or whoever, like, they step up and it's like, whoa, that's the dude, right? And then yeah. there's always a there's always a point in the song when um, the singer would take the back seat and let the guitarist come up, and then the guitarist is soloing. And he kind of leads on the singer then and shakes his hair a bit and like does yeah, it. Yeah, right. Yeah, they they've got their little kind of little together. romance going on on the stage. Yeah. 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 <laughs> I was like, yeah, this, you know, the singer, yeah, he's pretty cool, but dude, the guitarist is way cooler. Mm-hmm. So, uh, so I had an emotional connection with the guitarist. And so um, anyways, when my dad would take us to Rainbow Records, this record store, and he was like, you guys could pick one tape, you know? And so I gravitated and went over to the ACDC section. And this and is every just, week, though? He would take you every this week? Is every, like every other like That's a other. good deal. I mean, dad's going to spend, what was it, $7.99, five bucks back then? And you get yeah. a set? Wow. Yeah, yeah. And so I was super, I remember my sister got Joan Jett, my brother <laughs> got Huey Lewis in the news, <laughs> I got ACDC. And we had our little, we each had our, <laughs> me and my brother shared a room, so we had a, um, we had like a little tape deck, right? It was like one of those ones where it's, you just get one speaker and you get yeah. the tape. And then you get the transport, like it's all man. it's kind of vertical kind of setting, right? Yeah. And so, yeah, man, me and my bro would take turns playing our tapes. And, uh, and when ACDC would come on, I just kind of go into my world pretending yeah. I was Angus Young. 
So, you know what I mean? And so this is fifth grade. And so school, they had a talent show and, uh, <laughs> I was so like, man, I'm gonna do, I'm gonna do, right now. <laughs> I'm gonna do, I'm gonna do for those about to rock. You know, I was like, I'm gonna do for those about to rock for my talent show thing, you know, performance. And yeah. so I was like, man, I'm gonna be Angus Young because in the videos I saw his his deal, like everything. Yeah, and you know what's so funny is like I had no idea that he was mimicking like a what was it like a uh, Scottish schoolboy yeah. uniform yeah. or whatever. Because Angus, no that's idea. what it is. Yeah. Yeah, I had no idea that that was his shtick. So, um, because for us, we didn't, we you know, growing up in public school, had no no way to relate to uh, having to wear uniform and everything. Yeah. And so, and so, and I remember, I remember having Highway to Hell poster in my room, right? And it's a it's a painting of the band, right? Mm-hmm. And it's got Angus, and I was using that to mimic my costume, right? Yeah. And so 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 funny because. It shows the straps, which were from from a backpack because he's a schoolboy. But yeah. I had no I had no idea that it was a um, he was a schoolboy. Yeah. So and it didn't show on the poster that it was a backpack. You can see the straps. So in trying to be as true to the deal, but without understanding it, I remember I had a belt wrapped around. Oh trying man! To, trying to mimic the strap, but had no idea why the strap was there. But I want I wanted to get a guitar for it. I needed an electric guitar and I, I knew only one dude who had one. I remember mm-hmm. asking him if I could borrow it for the talent show and he was like, My dad will never let you use my guitar. And I was just like and and, and that having to do with just yeah how how expensive they are, you're just not gonna lend that out to a friend. Yeah, you drop it one time and if it's electric, yeah. Yeah, and so I just showed up with a, I used a broom basically. It was uh-huh. like, okay, this is, this is the guitar. And so I guess my, my point is, is that yeah. I had a desire to do it. It just wasn't accessible mm-hmm. until skateboarding, until I meet yeah. these dudes in skateboarding that are like, not only, not only do they befriend us, but then they're, they're pretty much saying, yeah. look it, this is how, this is what we have and yeah. come 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 enjoy it with us you yeah, know this like, is culture you're getting into this music at 5th 6th grade you're starting skating at 6th 7th 8th grade and so you're already deep getting into these roots and now all these guys are like here's this ray kid come and just embrace this which it is we all know the same music we've all embraced the same videos so and, and just so people who might be from other parts of the world what age is this when you're 7th 8th grade by the way 12 12 okay yeah this is yeah 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 yeah. okay so you're in the 80s you're 12 and then yeah are you around these known skaters because you know obviously it's all a click together are you starting to get to know all these pros or how do you start first ollieing and and taking that board and or even maybe you get the first set of trucks and how does it adapt from there yeah so basically for us what happened was so we had the a friend todd where he had the band room and Mm. And then had the quarter pipe. Then we found out about another dude who had a five foot high, eight foot wide quarter pipe. Mm. And then he he had to get rid of it, so he gave it to us. And then our buddy Mike Griffin, who lived up the street from Todd, his parents were like, "You guys could put both the ramps in our backyard." Mm. And so we built a we put the two quarter pipes together, added flat bottom, and mm. we had a little half pipe. Yeah. And then that half pipe, five foot high, eight foot wide, um, 
then eventually mm-hmm. as we as we grew in skateboarding or you know grew out of that five foot half pipe then mike's parents let us build uh eight foot high 20 20 20 foot wide with a two and a half foot channel Mm. um and so we went to that and it was through that ramp that a lot of the rippers in the area would come to skate yeah yeah. that's how we'd kind of meet these guys and and you would find out about other other local ramps and try to go skate it you know and you're skating with you're skating with um that's when you're skating with these rippers with these yeah you know a lot of the guys that were sponsored by a lot of local kind of Mm. brands you know coming over from san francisco or santa cruz or just guys that live there in san jose that rode for these brands you know now you're skating with them you know Mm -hmm. and so um if if we were able to get in like i'll be honest with you so many times going to these sessions we were allowed to hang out but not skate yeah we didn't know the cat that knew that had the the ramp you know yeah yeah and, and so, they're down for you but it's also a bit of a heated session it's not necessarily rude well they're well, used to the ramp in there yeah well they're just not being lame saying like you came all this way you got to bail like you yeah. can't skate but you got to bail they're just like you can't skate but we're not going to kick you out it's meaning yeah. like like we don't want to <laughs> see you on the ramp but you could sit and watch <laughs> yeah yeah you know what oh, i mean so there was a lot of there was a lot of sitting and watching or just flat out times of just not mm. being able to yeah. even go into the backyard to even do that you know it's just mm. like go out there hoping we could get in and we can't there was always someone with us that's like that we try to like yeah. tag along with and he's like you know maybe he'll be cool and let you guys skate and then we get there and they're like you can skate you can skate my mom knows you my mom knows you but she doesn't know you guys so you guys can't skate and we just be uh-huh. out for we'd be outside just kind of <laughs> messing around on our boards or trying to catch a peek of what we the, what the was happening? part of the ramp we could see the coping wow. you know what i mean and so like so now you're a year or two into it when did you start realizing okay this is something i'm getting good at like because i know you've got a massive influential around the world with music and all the rest of it you're doing so many projects we'll unpack but how did you start realizing okay i can actually skate i have control well the the interesting thing is that so you get turned on to this world of skateboarding, right? Mm-hmm. And so now it's like we're, we're, we're seeing magazines and we're seeing the videos and things, you know? And I'll never forget, like, uh, Skateboard Madness being on airing on TV and, and, and our buddy Todd mm-hmm. having the ability to record it. And so, <laughs> like, and so that was, like, gold for us, just seeing that and just being like, whoa, mm-hmm. like, any kind of exposure, anything – we could get our hands on that had yeah. to do with what we were so, you know, mm-hmm. uh, fascinated by and, and obsessed with. We were yeah. just like, anything you can see, you can go outside and just do in the driveway. Where did well, he grab? Yeah. What was that song? What was he wearing? It's it's, yeah. it's gold at that time. Yeah. So um, I guess what I'm trying to say is we're such sponges. We're just absorbing everything we could get. So we're absorbing mm. the videos. We're absorbing the magazines. And so, and again, remember like, street hasn't really happened for us mm-hmm. at that point we're still on this ramp thing because yeah. that's what that's what the landscape was you know mm-hmm. um and so you're, you're always playing catch up there's a there's a there's a long list of tricks that have been developed mm. and so so what i'm trying to say is like there was a barometer of how good you're getting because you're basing it on where are you along 
how mm. are you doing with the list? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know okay. what I mean? Yeah, yeah, you yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like, okay, <laughs> alert, you know, you learn your basics, your rock and roll, fakie rocks, fakie ollies, <laughs> uh, axle stalls, yeah. you know, and then you move on to like, okay, backside airs, mute airs, indie airs, yeah. frontside airs, lean airs, lean tails, <laughs> body, you know what I mean? It's just you're yeah. constantly like, okay, and you're, and so you, I guess what I'm trying to say is, yeah you're having to gauge your progression yeah. because you're like, you're going at it being like, I'm learning this trick today. Yeah. I'm learning this. You know what I mean? And so you're seeing it. And so you know how skateboarding is this, those little bits just fuel it. It's just oh, like, yeah. cool. Right. You see it with you Jude know? every day. He's learning stuff yesterday. It's like the daily awesome. progression. Granted for kids yeah. now, you know, there's so much, I literally took him to the Westminster park yesterday and I was like, man, you need to start learning hand plants. I can't do them. So I, I film them right away and tag Lance Mountain in it. And Lance yeah. you know, replies back. I'm like, okay. But your generation and then even mine that came after, it was like you see the video, try and go out and figure what that was. But, but you were definitely deeper in culture than I was, you know, even though it was a bit earlier. So how does it go from Ramston to, to street? Do you see so, videos of people? Yeah, so there was a ramp called the Mush Ramp. Um, that was about, uh, about 45 minutes from where we live. And, um, that ramp was 11 foot high, mm-hmm. one foot, one foot of vert. I think it was like 24 feet wide. Um, and anyways, we, we loved going out and skating that ramp for a lot of things. It was a bigger ramp. So we we're pushing ourselves. It was like so much scarier because it's bigger and the trannies are way mellower so you're just all whoa mm-hmm. trying to like because our, our our ramp because our eight foot ramp we we eventually added crates and added two inches of vert so it mm-hmm. became it became two feet i mean i'm sorry t- 10 foot high with mm-hmm. two inches of vert so that's a really tight tranny yeah and we go to we go to this 11 foot high with um with one foot of vert so it's a mellow tranny has a way different feel yeah. So anyways, we're skating that ramp one day and I, I go to do a body jar. It was like backside air grabbing the nose, right? You're hitting the tail as you're coming in. And I caught the tip of my tail oh. and, it, and, it, and it just bounced me straight out to the flat. Like I missed all the tranny from, <laughs> from 11 feet right to my wrist. Just boom. Uh. And so I, I uh, compound dislocation of my wrist. Yeah. And so what? Anyways, while I had the cast, my parents were like, you're not skateboarding with mm-hmm. that cast, right? Yeah. But I still wanted to be on a skateboard, but I knew I couldn't go out to the ramps. And my buddy, Robert, had a backup. He had an extra, he had an extra board. Mm. Um, and he would let me use that. And during that time, um, during that time, uh, uh, jump ramps were coming in. There started to be like jump ramps and people kind of, taking these jump ramps over to schoolyards and things and, and um, yeah, putting them up to putting them up to the handball walls and trying to yeah. do wall rides and things like that, you know? Yeah. And so, so basically like now I can't go out to the ramp. We're kind of just keeping it in, in the streets, if you will. Mm-hmm. And it was doing, and it was during that time where I was just kind of like, Whoa, like it hit me like, wow. Like there's no list anymore. Yeah. Basically. I can do this right here, right now, today, wherever well, I am. Not, yeah, not only the accessibility, but like the tricks, meaning there wasn't mm. a list of tricks. Like mm. there was like, 
you learn the ollie, which we had kind of already learned that. <laughs> because before I broke my wrist, street, here's what changed. Mm. Before I broke my wrist, street was like what was depicted to us from the Powell videos, which mm. it was like, oh, this is something you do when you can't skate the ramps. And your approach to it is you're always mimicking the ramp. So the curb is the coping of the ramp, right? Yeah. And so it wasn't really explored from the idea of being its own thing or whatever. Yeah. It, was like, it was always kind of like, it was no different than how it served like Tony and those Tony Alva and Stacy, mm-hmm. those guys from the waves to, yeah. to skating in the schoolyard banks, right? Yeah. It was just like, and then the pool, you were smashing the vertical wave. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But but what I'm saying is like the desire to do that was because they couldn't do the other thing. Mm. <laughs> they couldn't be in the water anymore, but they still wanted to have that feeling. And so they figured out how to still. And mm. st- to me, street at that point was kind of a similar thing in the sense of like, we can't be on the ramps. We can't, there's no lights or we're getting kicked out. It's too late, but we still want to be on our skateboards. So... Mm we'll be out in the streets, but the approach and being out in the street is it's inspired from what you, the tricks from the ramp, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? And so I guess what I'm trying to say is like, before I broke my wrist, that's how we were functioning in it. Right. Like we yeah. go to the, there was a, um, there it's called rotten Robbie's, which was a um, gas station. And it had mm-hmm. the curbs that we saw in, those, you know, Lance and those guys skating in Future Primitive. So we'd always go there, like the Skate Rot Robbies, you know? Yeah. In the magazines, we'd see things about with Gons and Nottis and Capitola Classic, which was a which was a annual street contest in Santa Cruz that would happen. And mm-hmm. we'd see jump ramps and you had the Sacramento street contest and things. So, so like we knew about it, but we mm-hmm. didn't. But it, again, for us, it just felt like, it was a plus. It was an add-on to skating ramps, skating mm-hmm. vert, right? All the magazines were like 90% vert, right? And you had your your 10% of Nottis, Tommy, G- Guerrero, mm-hmm. Nottis, Coppice. I was going to ask all the guys, yeah. The you know, so, we, we did, so we did see that, but it didn't, there wasn't an emotional connection to it until I mm-hmm. break my wrist. And now through just, I've got no other thing i don't have the ability to go to the ramps and stuff i still want to be on my skateboard i'm out we're out skating school yards there's mm-hmm. these jump ramps now it's like this whole other world opens up where it's just like wow this has more freedom mm-hmm. not only does it have more freedom again going back to the accessibility thing like now not only is there not a gatekeeper like i don't have to know the dude that knows a dude mm. that has the ramp i don't have to worry about the parents knowing me or liability yeah. with, with, with that. It's like, that's true. Yeah. Anywhere, do anywhere I can put my wheels down. If it's cement and it's hard enough to roll, we can roll. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and so now it was just all, Whoa, like, this is so fun. Meaning like, cause I remember thinking like, okay, learn to Ollie, learn to kick flip. And then, because again, the mentality was like, okay, what's yeah. the next thing to learn? Yeah. And then it was just kind of like, there was kind of no apparent next thing. Yeah. It was just kind of like, let's try this, let's try that. Or, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? It was like a world within the world, if you will. No, it, 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 when I came into it, it was like, okay, 
can you back heel? Can you front heel? Do you skate switch? There was already like you've got to gather. You're already back to where the ramp was because, and that's yeah. what, that's what happens. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like the more something's been, uh, more people <laughs> have been doing it, then the more yeah. these things develop, and then the more that you're functioning in that. You know? Yeah, yeah. And and that's what I'm so grateful for for the 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 time frame that the lord allowed me to mm-hmm. experience these interests that he gave me mm. what a blessing to be able to be at the start of something yeah when it's so early on and i'm so grateful for that you know yeah i didn't um, know the history of all that with you because i think i started in 92 and i want to say there was a skate shop roller snakes and all i'd ever even seen was like a cypress hill video Obviously, Police Academy 4, I'd seen something on TV about a bluegrass aggression session, but all I knew was the guy, Tony Hawk, and Steve Caballero, and it was still all ramp. And then I ordered these videos from Roller Snakes, and they came on a day when I was homesick, and it was literally um, not the new Hate Street, which was old when I got it, Powell mm-hmm. Propaganda, which was old, and mm-hmm. then Plan B Questionable, that it just came out. So... That just like blows my mind. But I remember seeing the quality of the Powell videos, but then even the difference between that and not the new H Street. Or no, it was, you know what it was? It was H Street Generation. That was probably the first video I ever seen. That propaganda and, and questionable. So then you've got already, you know, Pat Duffy and Danny Way and Colin McKay and all this stuff. And it was just like, I've got to go figure out all these tricks. This is my new love where you actually got to, you said there was probably a handful to what 20 people that were really progressing street, like the Tommy Guerrero's, the Nattis's, the Gonzas. So as you're healing with this, this hand, do you start trying to do those tricks? Do you start realizing, wait a minute, like how good will you avert to then say, wait a minute, I'm not that focused on this to see what you were able to do. Cause you're the way you skate with the smoothness and the natural flow and all the no comply stuff that we see earlier, right? When did that become alive? Is I guess what I'm saying. When did you notice mm, something? Yeah, yeah. So the more the more that so basically once my once my cast is off, mm-hmm. I'm just already excited about this new direction, if you will. You know, <laughs> I'm because just seeing you skating down the road in those in those thin jeans and like cool, you know, converse <laughs> and just the, like the little hats, just doing all these scoops and, and sweeps and everything. So yeah. <laughs> so yeah. So I mean, I would we would still skate ramps, but like the affections were way more towards being out in the streets now, mm. you know what I mean? And exploring that because that was so much more exciting because of the freedom of it, you know? Yeah. And, and, um, and I remember my buddy, Robert, my buddy, Robert Torres was huge. Um, in, in a lot of my opportunities in skateboarding because mm-hmm. he, he had, he, when snowboarding first came out, he was, he had gotten sponsored when he was eight years old by Sims. Okay, wow. And so he had kind of already gone through and, you know, uh, knew how that stuff worked in the industry and how sponsorship and things like that work. Like, I had no idea of any of that. So anyways, as me and him are focusing more on skating street and we're finding finding out about, um, like, local street contests. Yeah. um, And, like, demos and things. And so... um, we find out about this demo in San Jose and we go and, um, or it's like a demo slash, no, actually it was a contest. I'm sorry. It's a contest. Mm-hmm. It kind of turned into a demo because, uh, Gons and Kendall were in town and those dudes showed up 
mm-hmm. and just closed it down. It, we were like, whoa, dude. Um, <laughs> the gap between pros and amateurs back then were so gnarly. Mm. That's so what I was just picturing in my head. Like, to just to, to go back now and say, let's just watch how this unfolds. You know, yeah. that must have been crazy to see. It was the first time I seen, like, I don't know, people call them hippie jumps, 360 airs off jump ramps, you know? Yeah. It was the first time I've seen that. We were just like, whoa, because we're all kind of, we're all kind of like trying to hop off the sides and mm-hmm. stuff, you know? And, and these dudes are off the top, super powerful, just soaring, dude. Yeah. And just like spinning 360s. And we're just like, what the heck? Mm-hmm. We couldn't even imagine or fathom, <laughs> you know? Um, so it was through kind of going to those contests that mm-hmm. we saw like, yeah, this whole other yeah. kind of culture happening within skating that yeah. wasn't being represented in the magazines. Mm-hmm. And it was exciting to us because we we're just meeting all these, yeah. all these other skaters coming from neighboring towns. And one thing that I really appreciated, I remember was mm-hmm. just being fascinated by everybody's uniqueness. Mm-hmm. And, and, and their approach being directly tied to geographically where they come from. Yeah. yeah and we're just true. all, you're just all, whoa, dude, like the way that this dude skates, like <laughs> this dude's charging. Oh, he comes, you know, he, mm-hmm. he's, he lives in San Francisco. You know what I mean? Or there's something about that. That was just, there was so much about the experience that was just mm-hmm. um, exciting, man. And so like, yeah uncharted and just you're just like man like give me more of this (laughs) yeah and so so as we started going and then there's they started doing uh street jams they called it where people would come they would say like saturday there's gonna be a street jam at a local school and basically back then it's what like (laughs) you know like cherry park here in long beach or love park or yeah, bring all your obstacles and, out, drag yeah, whatever you got. Yeah, you, out bring, for the day. you bring everything wow. over to the schoolyard and everybody would show up and you're there skating with everybody. And it was just, it was, a, it was addictive, you know? You're just like, yeah. when's the next contest? When's the next meetup? Wow. Because, because when they're gone, <laughs> it's just me and Robert because everybody's still skating ramps and we're the ones all super excited. And we're yeah. like, when's the next meetup? Because that's our time to like get in it again. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? And, and then, and we, yeah. And then, so, and then eventually we start entering contests and things. And then um, we start going out to Sacramento. Mm-hmm. And, and when we start going out there and linking up with the skaters in Sacramento, that's when, even within street skating, there became a huge shift towards the desire and the approach to how we wanted to street skate. And that was directly influenced by the skaters in Sacramento. Mm. It was Rick, Ricky Windsor and Randy Smith. And, uh, and there's a skate shop called Ghost Skate. There's a chain. And so there's one in San Jose. There's one in, mm-hmm. I don't know how many in Sacramento. They all either work for Ghost Skate or sponsored by Ghost Skate. So when we take the bus, Robert would take a Greyhound out to Sacramento for the weekends yeah. and stay with our buddy Randy Smith who wrote for Alva and mm. then, um, and I think Ricky wrote for Santa Cruz at that time. Yeah. Um, and you had, you had Sam Cunningham in the mix. You had um, young Troy Clower and mm. um, 
there's just a, a, a big crew of skaters that yeah. were that were linked to <laughs> ghost skate and those dudes were all about step hops and flat ground mm. a lot of them uh, R- randy in particular and, and ricky but randy is the dude that we saw we it's no complies what people would call no complies or yeah threes and stuff you know yeah like for for us we are we knew about the no comply and we knew that that was tied that had some ties to neil because we knew about seeing neil blender yeah i'm sorry neil blender yeah. yeah yeah um seeing them off the curb right you bonk off the curb and you jump mm-hmm. off you know and i think as the story goes it was it was uh lacero doing it and 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 neil responding to it and um and that's wow. like the, the the term of no comply like no no comprende mm-hmm. like don't understand or something but yeah. um as the story goes that's but, cool i like that it's lucero's tied in as well with blender because link who we both would have known from the old church he literally asked a question where did ray learn his no complies from yeah that's, so that was it that was the, this is this is the answer so i think <laughs> i think i think john says he's like the one who the no complies like stumbled across that or started doing that right mm. and so um but for us the step hop there was no there's no curb you don't use it it functions like an ollie yeah and that was from randy for, wow. for me that was from Randy and he called them step hops. And so where did we get it from. Good question. I've got a, I, you know, yeah. what's so funny. I never asked him. I got to ask him. I'd imagine he's, I imagine he had to see Neil and Lucero. You know what I mean? Well, is but, that what Mike but, V did as well? Did Mike V do those everywhere? Cause he was very hampered. Mike, no Mike, 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 Mike did both. He learned, yeah. them, he learned step hops and no compliance. He learned them off the curb and he learned them hitting the tail off the ground. Maybe if you text Randy right now, I text Mike. We could figure this out before that. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. But I'm gonna, I'm gonna ask yeah. Randy where he got the idea from. But he was but the you, first one that I seen. Yeah. That pops, and he would do them onto benches. He would do them like he had them, and yeah. Uh, and then, um, <laughs> so anyways, and when we would go meet up, we I remember like it'd be after school on Friday. We would get our Greyhound. We hop on the Greyhound, take the Greyhound to Sacto. We'd get there at night, Randy would pick us up, and then we'd all go out to um, these Quimby um, uh, tennis courts and just all be skating, skating the benches there, but skating a lot of flat ground, right? Mm. And it was during that time where we were always like, dude, how many tricks could we kind of try to do back to back? You know, And that's where those ideas and a lot of that approach came from those sessions and things like that you, know? you mean the lines and doing different things yeah. all together yeah making it be more than just one big trip or one expression as they call it yeah the yeah. flat ground flat ground aspect oh. of like doing stuff tying it together trick after yeah. trick after trick you know and thinking about the sequence like what trick flows better into the next trick and that kind of thing you know well, well like, someone had asked as well and I'll, I'll throw some of these in as we're going because um John Haywood Smith had said, okay, did you grow up in a Christian home? Because he talked about your parents, you know, it sounded like they were very supportive. And, and he says, were they supportive of your skating and music influence? Because by now you're already in it. So were, they, were your parents believers? And then what did they think of this ACDC noise coming in the house and Ray being gone every weekend with all these skaters, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, um, well, first off, for the supporting skateboarding, yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I, my, my dad, I feel like my dad, they both supported it, but times where my mom was struggling with it, my dad 
would help comfort her mm-hmm. in letting me still do it, you know? And, and there's two, there's kind of two incidences and it, it happened early on because you have to understand like in 83, like get like, because of socioeconomic <laughs> kind of, um, yeah. I don't know how you want to say it, the reality of that, you know, yeah. like skateboarding has always been seen as a white thing, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah even using the intro on you and using the term as a black skater, it sounds so ridiculous to you and me, but we'll open up one of these cool questions someone sent me, but it was true. Like you're saying. Yeah. So, I mean, and, and the most, to be honest with you, the most like pushback for me wanting to be, ride a skateboard, especially seventh grade and eighth grade, the most pushback I always say it is from other brothers and sisters, like other mm. blacks. Wow. Other blacks, other blacks that were like, "Why are you trying to be white?" Well, you know, what like mean? my step pop, like my no complies, leave <laughs> me alone. Yeah, <laughs> like yeah. ACDC, yeah, Angus like, is white, but, bro. Oh yeah, and I'm and I'm yeah, and I'm tripping them out that I'm in like a skateboard culture at that, you know. But you didn't need therapy. You haven't gone to therapy yet, Ray, right? You're still okay. The Lord's leading you through this whole. Yeah, <laughs> this yeah. is funny stuff. Okay. Yeah, yeah. But so the brothers sweating you. Because here's the thing, like, like in 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 the Lord's in the Lord's grace, yeah. he he allowed me to see that what I was excited about was way more important about, than how they felt about me doing that. Of course, you yeah, know? of course. Um, I always I I always knew that. Um, I always always tell them like I'm having a blast. I hope you have a good time doing what you do. Mm-hmm. You know. Yeah. Um, but. But, but again, like for my parents <laughs> yeah. coming, you know, and my grandmother, my grandmother is huge, yeah, uh, huge influence in my life. My grandmother's was was my my is my on my dad's side, right? So it's my mm. dad's mom, and and my grandmother, um, yeah, my dad and my grandmother grew up in a um, Baptist church yeah. in in Arkansas, you know. And my grandmother loved Jesus, and my dad grew up in it but started to kind of uh, do his thing, if yeah. you will, you know? Um, but so, but there's a faith there. There always was, there always was. Yeah. Um, and I say was because he passed away in 97 mm. prostate cancer. And I know, um, I know my heart of hearts that mm. he heard well done, good and faithful servant Amen. now enter into your rest, you know? Mm. And so, but, but a lot of, a, so that I had that background, I guess what I'm trying to say, my grandmother yeah. living with us. I had the very unique opportunity of having a grandmother mm-hmm. uh, living with us until she passed away from when I was born, mm-hmm. um, which, you know, that there's so much grace in that because, yeah. you know, a lot of times, you know, a mother-in-law, a mother-in-law living with a daughter-in-law and that functioning, <laughs> and functioning in a beautiful way is, yeah, you know, that's, that's glory to God. Well, they often and, call the in-laws the outlaws in many marriage <laughs> circles. So, that's, yeah, and so I'm wow. very, I'm very grateful for for that witness and that that mm. that seeing that relationship. Very rarely, I can't, I can't think of. Yeah, it's crazy. I can't really think of any kind of confrontations. Yeah. I mean, and I'm not sitting here saying that they didn't. I'm just saying that. I very rarely seen it and whatever yeah. it was, they were able to, to, um, to work it out. Yeah. That's just human nature. I mean, you know, my dad, I talked to him, you know, yesterday, I don't know when I'm going to see him because of this Corona, 
yeah. whole thing that's going on. But he came and stayed with us for three months, you know, and kind of like my sister, I think just wanted him to come over here for longer than a month. So you yeah. put an English guy in that, you know, typically sits in front of the TV and smokes cigarettes all day and watches what he wants. For three yeah. weeks, you're good to go. But then when you have a wife like mine, it's all raw foods. We're always in the car. Brian's always going. We just live this Cali lifestyle. Yeah. Three or four weeks in, it gets frustrating to grandpa. So the fact that, you know, it's all great, obviously, mm-hmm. but I'm saying when you're adults, it's not as easy to get along. When you have an wow. in-law living with you and she's like, oh, you shouldn't be treating little Ray like this. You should be doing that. Mm-hmm. But grandma was there to be the support. Obviously, her principles were faith-based. And, and then your mom's side coming from Mobile, they must have had faith, right? Because, I mean, Mobile had a bad yeah, so my, yeah, but what's heavy about both my parents is that, like, they lost my mom. She's, she's, the, she's the oldest of four siblings. Like, there's four of them all together, right? Yeah. And so um, she, they lost. They lost. She. They lost their parents when they were still kids. Early. Oh wow. Okay. Early on, and so, um, so it was like a aunt helping raise them, and my mom being older, she played a lot of that, took mm. on a lot of that responsibility too. Yeah. You know, and then my dad, he lost, he lost his dad when he was eight, so oh, it was just man. him with with my grandmother, and so. Um, so yeah, so so for my mom, wow. um, maybe that's where the question comes a, from because she's like Ray, you're this black kid in this very white looking culture. We've had to fight to come through. You know what I mean? In a sense, when you every generation well, all, you go I mean, back, all, yeah. I mean, my mom, dad, and grandma. I'm so thankful for their hearts. Praise God. Yeah. So thankful <laughs> that there wasn't this heavy, yeah, uh, stronghold of bitterness and hate. Yeah. You know what I mean? Because. Mm-hmm. Woo, you know, I can't even fathom what they lived through, you know? Well, um, I, I was thinking of this earlier because, you know, I remember when we first really, you know, I was a kid in England, but the first time I really seen the Ray Barbies and the Jeremy Rays, and that was when 4111 came out. And you'll be able to speak into this. It's funny because the Euro contests were so huge. And yeah. I was probably 15, 16 now, skating a year or two. Jeff Rowley was the local pro, you know, I just loved his skating. And now we would go to Wakefield, we'd go to Manchester, but Europe took off. You had the Munster contest, you had the Northampton contest. And so I was this little kid that would get drove down there with, from my dad's work truck. We'd put 15 of my friends in the van. We all have sleeping bags. We'd sleep in the local park, you know, with our chips and whatever else. But I remember those three years that pretty much Radlands blew up. That was really where I remember just even seeing you, Ray, and it was like tray flipping on the bank and front side flips here and this flowy style. It looked like, is he going to make this trick? And I think you placed really high in some of those contests, right? It was like the world yeah, was exposed think- to Tom Penny and Ethan Fowler at the time and a yeah. lot of the Powell Plan B guys. But that was my seeing Ray Barbie in the flesh. Like, man, this guy's consistent, amazing, and that was it. Because what was the 200 pros that would come over and they go all yeah, around Europe? Yeah, ta- are you talking about the, was it Northampton? Are you talking about that one? Or just yeah. any of those contests? Well, yeah. here's what's funny looking back now. I remember buying the first 411 off Jeremy Ray. He has no idea why. I wasn't even a sponsor kid. And then I hung out with Jonas for like the four days he was there. Years later, I'm on audio with Jeremy Ray, you know, going around the world. Right. With Jeremy Ray. We became, 
mean, I'm texting Kenny Anderson right now in my phone a minute ago before we get on here. Right. I remember you doing an interview, and this is funny, you won't remember. I remember you doing an interview outside of Radlands, and they're like, you know, what kind of tricks do you do? And you did a kickflip, and you said, this is called a rocket flip. And I don't know if you would remember that, but I was a little <laughs> kid, and, and, you know, and this is when all the Brazilians would come over, and they would have like 30 skateboards, and they were all balsa wood, and they would sell them to all the English skaters, <laughs> just as lame. <laughs> but that was kind of, I guess, your meet up in the park kind of thing in the schoolyard. That was the next level for me. Yeah. Here's our English skaters. You know, and I remember Jamie there, and you had the Moses Conans, the Gale guys. Yeah, yeah. And you remember how Tom, people didn't know what to do with Tom Penny. For those listening, he yeah. was this just stoner kid oh, that had the amazing. big green shit. Yeah, but the way he skated with his tongue out, and he was like oblivious. And I think at first, some of the American skaters were like, who is this kid? Because they didn't know what to do with him because he was just shutting down the park. And yeah. then within six months, they moved over to America, and it was just like, "Oh, this yeah. is this is Jeff tray flipping the Oceanside stairs." Yeah, this is Tom, and then Rune and that. So yeah, man, yeah. So so going back to my parents, yeah, yeah, and them supporting me and things. Um, there were two incidences where, um, you know, my dad affirming, mm. uh, you know, me wanting to ride a skateboarding was 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 huge right and mm-hmm. i remember it was me when i first tried to learn when i was learning how to ollie there was a we didn't have a skate shop in our town per se it was it was a bike shop that had skate stuff in it you know mm. and so um but that was our hangout right and so um the parking or i should say the the shopping center was like an outdoor kind of thing that's where we would hang there was a there's a pizza parlor right up next to it there was like a store there you know, like a grocery store. And yes. so you had the bike lane. It's called the bike lane. Anyways, we're hanging out front of the bike lane, trying to learn how to ollie. Like, I fall back and shoot the board right through the window. And, <laughs> and, and of course, there's like the way that the window was set up. There's like, you have the bigger part of the window and then, the bo- and then you had a frame and you had the bottom part. And it was the yeah. bottom part. And turns out the bottom part is really expensive because that has to be specially fitted and cut or whatever. Yeah. Right? And so I remember like just, <laughs> you know, the, the, the owner like being like, you're not leaving because it's right before they close. And, and, you know, he was probably like, I don't need this, you know, I don't need this punk kid just yeah. leaving and not taking Ever care of him. back, yeah. Yeah. So I was like, they're like, we're calling your family, right? So I called home. My grandmother answers. My parents were still at work. Grandmother answers. is like, can you please send them home? Like, I'll make sure. <laughs> yeah. you know that it's taken care of right and so get home and then um my dad's talking to him and find out the bill and the bill's like for that time it's like yeah. to have an unexpected bill like that from your kid trying to ride the skateboard that you're already like dude this is kind of where is this going yeah yeah what is he doing what is this Who is, you know and uh and so i remember my mom just kind of being like yeah i don't know about the skateboarding and then <laughs> <laughs> and then another, and then another time. Um, what was the bill though? They didn't tell you. Oh, I want to say like four or five, four hundred bucks. Yeah, yeah, they're not cheap. Windows to be fair, expensive. Yeah, I mean that's kind of crazy now, but back then it's even way, you know. <laughs> um, and so, anyways, the next time there was kind of a sense of like, yeah, we you know the questioning of like, man, should we still let Ray skateboard? Mm-hmm. I remember skating over me and my buddies were skating over to my friend's ramp. 
and just I don't know, we we're we we're huffing it. I don't know, we were just excited to get there or something. And yeah. I hit like one of those like little wasn't a rock, it was like a little seed from a from a tree or something. Mm-hmm. And it just pitched to me, but for whatever reasons, I put my hand out, but the momentum was of such oh. that it just kind of my hands just kind of pushed my face into the cement. It's like oh. And so I had this gnarly kind of, you know, um, burn on the side of my face, on my cheek, and then a big gouge out of my chin, you know. And I still went, and it was so funny, it's like I still went to the ramp and skated because I knew if I went home, I'd be done. Yeah. So, like, we we were able, it was bleeding like crazy, but we were able to kind of manage it. And then when I got home, it was more of the issues of, like, do we need stitches or not? Do we need to go to the doctors? And Mm. my dad kind of made the decision of, like, no, I think it's, too much gouged out like i don't know if they could stitch that back so we didn't you know but my mom's looking like at her kid's face all scarred now (laughs) well can you grow a beard there or still gone is it there did it grow back or no oh yeah you know what you can see you can see it yeah i am you can see it you can see it a little bit (laughs) you know what i mean but at any rate like my dad was just like you know if he did this on a bike would you make him quit kind of thing and mm-hmm. or baseball or something yeah yeah and so after that it was just like support man mm-hmm. like, and it's it's crazy when you think about a parent's um trust right like yeah i mean we're balancing like you know going days without checking in hopping on the greyhound yeah going, you know what i mean and it's Weekends just like are missing what are you doing grab a back yeah some fruit yeah some yeah yeah, so very grateful, man. Just very grateful for their um, to kind of explore yeah. my my interests, you know. And but I think passion and focus and drive does speak. Like, like I've said it before, you know, people are probably tired of me saying it on this, but that's what I wanted to do. I wanted to skate. And when you're disciplined, you are. Yeah, you're gonna get hurt. You're gonna cut your face open or shatter the window. But you're focused on this. That's what's in Ray. You know what I mean? That that's gonna go somewhere. It's teaching you about life. You're not being a bum to say you're, you're, you're working hard at something. So that's admirable in itself to all those parents who've wondered, what does skating do? I tell many parents at the skate park, this teaches you to, to, to win, to lose, to deal with your struggles. I mean, how many of us can now put our hands to something and work twice as hard as we ever could because yeah. you kept getting back up and giving yourself to it? That's yeah. passion, you know? So, yeah. So that, so, so they're supportive. Did they hold any kind of faith though? Grandma's faith was in the background. Did they just kind of float through? Yeah. I mean, there's always the knowledge of the Lord, you know? And with my grandmother, I mean, my grandmother, like she was, she was always praying, always reading. Mm-hmm. You know, I grew up with, I grew up with hearing, you know, Jonah and the whale and, you know, and Samson and Delilah and, mm-hmm. you know, a lot of the, a lot of the, you know, classic Bible stories. You yeah, know? the fishermen. David, David, thing, yeah. David and Goliath, you know, and, <laughs> you know, and so. Um, that uncircumcised Philistine. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. So there was a, yeah, man, there was a reverence for God, mm-hmm. but not a, but not, it was a concept, I should say. Yeah. It, for me, for me. It was a concept, but not a reality. And when I say, and when I say a concept, I'm speaking for myself. Mm. And when I say a reality, I'm speaking for myself. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? I'm not speaking for that. Yeah. No. Yeah. I, was, I was. I was meaning like for me. It's like yeah. the Lord used my grandmother for the concept, dude. I saw it lived out my grandmother, and that's what the Lord used to draw me huh. a lot. 
yeah, she no, was the rock for you all, and, yeah. And, yeah, and when I, exactly. Mm-hmm. And, and that's a lot of parents, you know, I know there's going to be a lot of young dads on this, or those at least in their 40, 50, I say, because they're checking out Ray Barbie. But people always ask me, you know, how do I raise my kids in the Lord? And we can throw that Bible verse out, you know, train them up in the way they should go. Don't spare them mm-hmm. the rod and all the rest of it. And that's mm-hmm. true. But what we can do that's so powerful is just go back to what God is always saying, you know, opening up that Bible and yes. intentionally praying. Ray Barbie is a Christian. I know for your kids, knowing your whole family now for years, decades, they're going to be raised seeing there's Brian, there's Ray, there's Richard Muller, there's Lance. These people yeah. are believers. That's the kind of witness you're saying with grandma. And then obviously she had her yeah. own personal witness that she lived. So I know yeah. we're, we're going to keep going for a while, but I'm saying how then did all that happen? I know I jumped ahead to Northampton and then I was just saying to get you to see, man, this was some funny stuff I remember about really realizing, man, this Ray Barbie is just a shredder, but was Powell the first sponsor? Was it because you were up there by Powell? So living in San Jose, getting into skateboarding, mm-hmm. breaking my wrists, then, you know, getting excited about street skating. And now, you know, me and my buddy Robert Torres are traveling, going to these contests, wanting to be a part of it, go out to Sacto, make friends with the rippers out there and them like opening us to the possibilities of what can be done just with yeah. flat ground. And, um, and then my and then in after the summer um, before junior year, yeah, uh, my parents moving us down south from San Jose to Orange County to okay. um, Tustin, hmm. California, and so I spend junior and senior year in uh, in Tustin. Okay, I didn't know and, that Tustin. Yeah, yeah, and so what's <laughs> crazy is like much like. Uh, the hip hop feuding from the West coast and East coast, you know, um, <laughs> skateboarding has a NorCal SoCal feud <laughs> <laughs> that, um, I was always aware of or for mm. experienced. Right. <laughs> so coming from NorCal, I have a bias towards NorCal, right. You know, Thrasher magazine, independent trucks, you know, mm-hmm. SoCal for us was tracker and trans world. And yeah, you know what I mean? And so, um, and so you had that dynamic functioning. Mm. And so there was a pride, right? And to be honest with you, typically it's one-sided. It was NorCal against SoCal. SoCal was like, why can't we all get along? NorCal is like the typical pride thing of like, nah, our, our brand of this is way better kind of thing. Raider Nation, is that it? <laughs> you know? And so... <laughs> Um, and so, yeah, man, coming up under that, like I came from that school. So to me, to hear that I was moving to Southern California, it was like, I'm a traitor and I'm going to, I'm I'm going to the enemy, right? (laughs) Oh man, like I'm going over there. Like, but what's Mm. so funny and this is, and I look back on it and it's just, Mm. I'm so thankful for the Lord's favor and I can see in my life just how the Lord has engineered circumstances in my life through his grace and his mercy to allow me to function in his gifts Mm -hmm. and, and these desires he's placed in me to function in for, for his glory. Like he would be made to look great. Um, It's really amazing. Just the, the joy that he allows us 
to experience mm-hmm. in him. Um, but I, I guess what I'm trying to say is during this time, when I look back at it, what I thought was like the gnarliest decision became yeah. the thing that allowed me to be here to this day yeah. to have you even want to be interviewing me or to yeah. have people even care about asking questions. Mm-hmm. Um, that all came from me moving the Lord engineering the circumstances to me being in Southern California. <laughs> so, so SoCal was the catalyst then that you, and side well, note, the, what the, I, the, yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, well, what I was trying to say is because, because it was being in the backyard of skateboarding, mm-hmm. being around the industry, like being yeah. like those guys being accessible, like going to pay and play in Huntington beach and any mm-hmm. given night seeing, you know, not as coppice, uh, Mark Gonzalez, yeah. Ed Templeton, Jeremy Klein, Jason Lee. Chapman, yeah. Jason Lee, you know, Templeton, like mm-hmm. you name it. They're all there skating. And you're just like, Wow, you're there. You know what I mean? And and it was through being in that environment and going to those demos and contests mm-hmm. around there and, and through, you know, uh, Tommy Guerrero and Chet Thomas were huge in getting in um, Stacy's ear about me. Hmm. So let me, let me even back up so I understand because you get where you're going. But from the outside, I'm like, okay, so wait a minute. You're up there. You're NorCal. You got this kind of pride, you know. And, and anyone listening to this from England, you know, we're from Liverpool. We got Jeff Rowley and these guys are rowdy, and we jump downstairs and rails. And most of the skaters there love the anti-hero black label generation. And you've got more like the Milton Keynes. It's more like fresh ledges and whatever. Then you had even Oxford with you know Alex Mould and Tom, and they were like mini ramp rail shredders. England has its vibe. You go to the contest, and there's those guys from there. So you come down south with this kind of, not chip on your shoulder, but, but you're from SF. We haven't figured out. Who do you connect with right then? Like you're saying, just go into Huntington State. Is Ed Templeton known? I mean, obviously, not is not a no. Is Ed already getting known? Are you seeing these guys at contests? And this allows them to identify your talent. And this bears you in the industry? Is this, is this where you're going? Yeah. So, yeah, it's so tough huh, when you're trying to, without it being, and it's already gonna be long but for yeah. without it being super super long and yeah three parts or four part podcast yeah it's it's crazy you start jumping around but i guess the chunk that gets left out is that through sacra you know going to sacramento like yeah. randy and those guys like i was saying row for alva like we had a desire to be sponsored you know mm-hmm. what i mean and so before even getting before even moving to southern california i'd already We'd already ridden for Alva yeah. for a little while and then left Alva and rode for GNS. Okay. Right. And then I'd formed a relationship. Like I would always see Tommy Guerrero around because Tommy's from San Francisco. Mm-hmm. We see Tommy because Tommy and Julian Stranger and Mickey Reyes and Bryce Knights and those, mm-hmm. those dudes would come out to these street jams, you know, and to the, and to local contests in San Jose. And mm-hmm. so, um, so I'd made friends with those guys mm-hmm. and it was from, and I think it was during that time that Tommy would tell Stacy about me, you know, mm-hmm. it's before even moving to Southern California. So yeah. by the time we moved to Southern California, we were riding for GNS. When I say we, me and me and Robert Torres, my buddy Robert. Mm-hmm. And so we were riding for GNS and, um, 
and yeah there was the whole deal with like coming coming from the pride of NorCal or whatever <laughs> but between you and me like and everyone listening on the podcast yeah <laughs> once once I got once I got to SoCal yeah and once you get skating with everybody I'm not thinking about none of that I'm just oh, yeah, like no. yeah yeah I was just like dude like mm-hmm. wow that only functioned before I left really because you're because you're you're mm. always you know how our human condition we oh, always yeah. are we're always with the fear we're always projecting the worst you know what i mean yeah they're not gonna accept me they're gonna think i'm weird i'm not gonna do the right tricks and then they're like oh this is this for, ray for, barbie for guy yeah yeah for, for me it was just like man, i'm going there and like it's gonna be lame those dudes are lame because i'm <laughs> hurt i'm told that and i'm gonna identify with the lameness it's that <laughs> typical thing but then you get there, you get there, and that's the last thing because you're like, this is way better than what was happening there. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, for what I was in, you know what I mean? For 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 what I was excited about, and yeah. that was about skating street, and this was the like these were my peers, dude, and yeah. Hero, all yeah. here, all in one spot. Like it was by that time we'd already gone out to go to contests where we were in that experience. So yeah. I'm seeing that like. I don't have to go as far to be in that anymore. It's like right yeah. here now. We're and there's paying. photographers, there's filmers, obviously Stacy's around. And, and you mentioned Chet Thomas. Chet was like mini ramp champ, like the golden yeah. child, right? What was he on the cover of? Like a cereal bowl or, or in a commercial? Oh, or something? yeah. Was he on Wheaties? Was he on a Wheaties? <laughs> it was so, I mean, I see I Chet all the know. time. But when I'm walking around Huntington, I mean, I was at Don Brown the other day at a school and we're just talking about guns. And he goes, I remember skating here years ago. And we skated here all summer and Gon shows up one day and just starts board sliding this massive wall. And he goes, we've been skating the whole time and no one's ever thought about it or being in, you know, the Del Tackle parking lot with Ed one day. And he's like, oh yeah, that's right where I've seen the first nose blunt. Gon's just came rolling through all right on top of the curve yeah, with yeah. like four or five feet. And we were like, what just happened? And then for the rest of the month, you're trying to do whatever he just did. So yeah, you're yeah. right there in it, you know, and by now you're getting known and everything. Did you get asked to go beyond Powell? Because that's yeah, one of the so, questions so, I got. Yeah. Yeah. So, so what happened was first, um, one of the first demos I go to when we moved to Southern California was a demo with, uh, I don't know the shop, but it was a Powell demo and it was mm. with, it was with Steve size and Chet Thomas mm. and we go and, I'm skating with those guys before the demo starts. And then when the demo starts, um, Chet's like, come skate the demo with us, you know? <laughs> and then so I skate the demo with them. And then after we exchange numbers and um, yeah, and then me and Chet, me and Chet became friends. And, um, and again, Chet would tell Stacy about me. Mm-hmm. So then there was a contest at the Carson Velodrome and anyways, it was a pro contest. I'm not sure who won. Like mm-hmm. me and my friends were talking about it. I think maybe Tommy Guerrero won, but I really remember Andy Howell. Um, and Andy was killing it. And he had so many ideas that we were just excited about because we had kind of never seen it, you know? Um, the way you skated, you mean? Just the when way I say ideas, I'm, I'm, yeah. I'm saying his tricks. Yeah, his mm. tricks that he was doing. So anyways, at the end of that um, contest, and we would only sneak out on the course in between. It was a pro contest, no amateur, mm-hmm. right? So we'd kind of sneak out in between heats and things like that, you know. 
and those smashing windows and trespassing right what is it coming to (laughs) (laughs) i know right and so and so the way the velodrome set up the the contest was kind of up closer to like the big banked walls that had all the various lanes Mm -hmm. um for the bikes right and then so you can kind of use that to get momentum and then like the flat upper part yeah that that would be the where the obstacles are but then you had a lower section that was just super open Hmm. and we would we would be just skating and i remember seeing lance and stacy like i remember looking up and just seeing them watching me skate you know i knew knew they were watching me and then um (laughs) and then uh at the end of the contest when we're leaving i see stacy and chet thomas and i see chet pointing to me yeah and then stacy coming over and introducing himself and then asking if I wanted to ride for the team. Mm. And I was just like, <laughs> I was tripping. Because, <laughs> you know, it's funny because in skating these contests, you know what skaters you have to deal with, right? Like, mm-hmm. who, who's here? Oh, and if there's anybody like FIBO or Size or anybody from, from Powell, you're, you're, you know, like they're going to be top five and that's like a dude you got to contend with. Right. Yeah. And I guess what I'm trying to say is like Powell just held that caliber of it. Yeah. You know, it, it held that to it, you know? And so I couldn't, I never really pictured myself. Mm-hmm. I can never picture myself being a part of that. So for him asking me, cause you know, I remember Tommy when I wrote for GNS being skating with Nottis and Tommy and being at Nottis's house mm-hmm. and Tommy being like, Dude, like in us kind of voicing our our frustration with being on GNS because we wanted to, we just wanted to be sponsored so that we could travel and be be a, be a part of it, right? Yeah. Like, like yeah, we needed boards, but we're we needed more help with getting bus tickets and things like that and yeah. help for these contests. And GNS was kind of like, we'll hook you up with boards, but we don't really care about that, you know. And mm-hmm. so in our frustration about not getting support, I remember Tommy early being like dude let me know and i'll get you on powell and it's funny because mm-hmm. i just thought he was just being nice or something you know <laughs> like i didn't the point is is like i didn't believe it you know yeah and a, and a lot of it is because of my own issues of not feeling mm-hmm. like i was you know worthy of it or something mm-hmm. you know? and so wow. um so when stacy yeah asked me then it was like, oh, it's va- it's like okay, like he's not just trying to be nice. <laughs> and this is what he's seen. This is your God-given talent. Tommy's obviously put your name in his ear. Here's Chet, and then Stacy, yeah. and of course talking about Stacy Peralta, and he has seen for himself. And so, and so obviously you said yes, right? Yeah, I'm like, oh man, okay. Like there was no struggling with like, <laughs> is it real or not, or did he mean it? You know. Wow. And so, yeah, and that's how I got on Powell. And um, and then where were you with your faith then? Have you just always believed, Ray, or where was your, where was the moment? So it was that, it was that, it was that concept. When I say concept, what I more mean is like, there's a, there's a knowledge of God, but not truly knowing him. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah. And so there was a knowledge, again, growing up with my grandmother, you know, seeing her faith knowing like never struggled with the idea of god you know mm-hmm. so come to find out that was that's a big struggle for people just the even idea of him mm-hmm. you know is a struggle like i never i never had that and a lot of that because of my grandmother's faith you know mm. 
my my deal was a lot of things that happens. You know, when we moved, mm-hmm. when we moved from San Jose to you know Orange County. My universe changed, dude. Yeah. And if I were to look back at a point, because it says nobody comes to Jesus lest the Father draws them, you know. Mm-hmm. And when I think about my grandmother's faith, and when I think about I'm what I'm so grateful for in her faithfulness for her family is, you know, it says that a prayer of a righteous man is powerful and effective. Mm-hmm. Like my grandmother's prayers and how that moves. Uh, heaven, how that <laughs> plays a plays a role towards the Lord mm-hmm. drawing me. Like He's already because of what He did on the cross, the Lord's yeah. already drawing us. But yeah. it's those little nuanced things that He will show you in the little ways that He's always been there. His grace has always been there. That hand has always been there, saying, "I love you. I love you. I desire you. Come mm. to me. Come to me." You know. Mm. And so he's shown me how areas of where things shifted in my thinking, yeah. things shifted towards me being drawn to him, yeah. you know, and, and that move was pivotal because it, to grow up in an environment where yeah. you have this sense of people liking you or uh, or accepting you for you right because that's what mm. we all have we all have that desire right yeah. like we're all the lord has hardwired us with that desire that only he can fulfill it's an order of things it comes mm-hmm. from him first and foremost primary and then secondary are him doing it through other people yeah and so i guess what i'm trying to say is like in experiencing that through other people meaning that like I'm growing up with these friends from yeah. kindergarten. They know me. I know them. I, I have history with them. There's yeah. a relationship. I know, I know their brothers. I know mm-hmm. interesting, funny little things that makes you feel like yeah. part of it. It's its own little family. And you meet up in San Francisco, right? I mean, in um, San Jose. Cause right. Oh yeah. San Francisco, Francisco San, San Jose, NorCal. God shift everything. Yeah, I go to high school. There's not one connection with one soul there other than my brother. Not only that, but wow. other than my physical brother, there's I'm the I'm the only like he's my only brother there, meaning like mm. it was just kind of me and him that were black. Yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? Wow. And so there's no you, you there's no connection with anybody. There's no relationships. There's no sense of belonging. Yeah. There's no anything. And yeah. you're you're in the midst of all of these people. Yeah. And you don't have that. And just it, so people hear, was it more white, Mexican, Latino? I mean. So this is 80, this is 88. Yeah. In Tustin. So at that point where we live, there's more white, you know? Yeah. Okay. So I'm just, that rocked me, man. Not having that sense of like, mm-hmm. I mean, you have your family, but like what that does to you emotionally, psychologically, you know yeah. what I mean? The sense of like, no one. You don't have that. That and then dealing with progressing and skateboarding to a point to where I'm being acknowledged in that. Yeah. You know? Magazines now, videos. Yeah. Being yeah. And then and then the dynamic of the way that those two work together. Yeah. Because now Mm -hmm. these people that could care less about you, they find out that you're tied to this other thing or you have this ability or recognition or whatever. (laughs) And it's this thing that they desire. 
Yeah. Now they're your best friends. You mean these white kids in Tustin, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, these, you know, uh, skaters that you have some, an interest in common with through skateboarding, but them, yeah. you know, treating you a certain way before they see your ability, yeah. treating you a different way after they see your ability. You know what I mean? And that's and, not to throw rocks at them. I'm not saying that just because we view people as white or black, just, sadly. Oh, no, 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 no. Yeah, it's they're just, appreciating just, skating and they go, man, that dude goes to my school. We don't know what, what their dad said to them. We don't know what their issues are. We don't know why they're acting that way. Yeah, yeah. No, and now no, they're seeing I, this Ray Barbie guy like, wait a minute. Totally. This I'm, is, just, set, I'm yeah. just setting the, it's like emotions, neither right nor yeah. wrong. I'm just, I'm just setting, yeah. I'm just saying this is <laughs> the setting that caused me Hmm. to go through what I went through that brought me to a place of brokenness Hmm. and surrendering to the truth of the God and Jesus Hmm. that my grandmother served and loved. And Hmm. so I'm just saying that that was the landscape. And that was one of the things that the Lord allowed in my life Hmm. to draw me. did it because, have effects? Did you feel like an outcast? Oh, Did you feel dude, distant? Really? I, I struggled a lot with trying to manage the weight and the burden of all of these things. You know uh, what I mean? Yeah. And I never had to before, but now it's like, whew, it's real and in my face because mm. of, like, it was like a social anxiety kind of thing that yeah. came came from a result of the circumstance rather than the result mm. from maybe a chemical thing just from you know yeah, it wasn't just was, puberty and you growing up it was like it was really um, was it a racism that thing or was no it just, no it wasn't i mean those are all things that play a part of the human condition that yes yeah. all of that uh kind of function yeah in, in the way that it functions but at the core of it is identity right yeah yeah that's at the core of it my identity was found in Mm. Uh, who I was in this community that accepted me <laughs> because of who I was that they knew like yeah. I love I love what I missed was that I would come back from winning a contest or something and they're like oh that's cool but but it was from this place of like but well, we know you dude yeah yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah. Does that, prophet's does that not sense? welcome in his own town yeah. Well, yeah. well yeah yeah <laughs> you know what I mean more of like they're happy for me but there was this connection through yeah. growing up together that it didn't have to get put yeah. on this pedestal or get put mm-hmm. in the realm of like, oh, he's boasting and he thinks he's superior to us. Yeah. Or like it, it kind of did away with a lot of that stuff because we had that connection. We had yeah, that. You were real family. I mean, obviously not blood, but they just want what's best for you. They've seen your ups and downs. Totally. You guys are scrapped together and whatever at the 7-Eleven together. Yeah. That's just and, life. But, but did that lead you to say, Lord, who am I? what's my identity? Is that what Tustin did to you? Or did you just already so Tustin, know? Tustin, Tustin shook that foundation, which is a, mm. which, which, which I guess what I'm trying to say is like, he works all things together for the good. Yeah. Those who love him are called according to his purpose. So what he allowed and how he worked it for the good is what I'm more speaking on. And mm. what I'm saying is that even the foundation of getting it, having that sense from the family or the community I was a part of, yeah. like, that's still a secondary function that can never be the primary because mm-hmm. that is not where the identity comes from. That's where, not where the yeah. affirmation and the acceptance and the approval and the validation 
Mm-hmm. Like it doesn't come from that valid. It doesn't come from yeah. that foundation, the foundation of their, the way that they see me or their, or our relationship. Yeah. Those are all, if they're functioning in a healthy way, they're all accent. But I guess mm-hmm. what I'm trying to say is that that foundation mm-hmm. was taken away from me. Yeah. I had no foundation anymore. Yeah. And that's the point of where the Lord started drawing me. Mm. And it wasn't some like overnight thing. It was a long process in his faithfulness. But I'm just mm. identifying the role that that move played. It played in a bigger role than me getting on Pau Peralta. It played in the role of me mm. <laughs> accepting yeah. and understanding the role in which I was created. And that was for to mm. be in relationship with the creator and yeah. to find my identity in who he has yeah. created me to be the idea that he had when he formed me. Mm. And <laughs> that started right. That was taking place during mm. that move. Cause being in this new environment, yeah. not having the comforts yeah. from that foundation of, you know, receiving that affirmation well, what from age that community. Right here? What age is this? Just 17, So this 18, is 16. Or? 16. Okay. Is it, I'm yeah. telling you, this is a mature way of looking at it. I mean, it might have been messier than you're saying. No, 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 no. Yeah. This is this is what the Lord's shown me when looking back. Yeah, in that's the, crazy. In, in the process, yeah. I'm struggling in the okay. darkness of it. I'm more saying that this is what... <laughs> This, this is, is what you understand started. now. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You just yeah. figured this out last night. And it, but I do want to make a comment, you know, because you talk <laughs> about prayers. And I did a podcast thing the other day on prayer, you know, and I love to call Ian Bounds because uh-huh. he says prayers are deathless. And what he means by that is some of you are here today because of your grandparents' prayers, because mm. of your great-grandparents' prayers, because mm-hmm. of, you know, Mrs. Barbie, whoever, back in Mobile or Arkansas, mm-hmm. Arkansas. Mm-hmm was praying for generations and even Jesus's prayer on the cross, forgive them. They don't know what they do. Amen. Those yeah. prayers are being answered. And so in your 16, 17, 18, do you begin yeah. to make people now because of skating? Does the skate culture become what it is? The Ed Templeton's, the Mike V's. So you're now going weekly. Now I'm, em- I'm embracing this community, but now okay. I'm dealing, but now I'm dealing with the struggles of a lot of things. And I, mm-hmm. I always say in my, in my life, there's kind of two stages, right? Which yeah. is just another way of saying before, you know, before uh, I received and trusted Jesus <laughs> as my savior and after, right? And so- BC, yeah. Yeah, but, but I guess, but I'm more, but I'm more appropriated to, uh, I split up what was happening in me that led me to hmm. that point of surrendering. And I guess what I'm trying to say is like, I always saw it in two phases. Yeah. Um, before receiving the Lord is being comfortably confused mm. and then that shifting into being very uncomfortably confused, right? Mm. Well, guys, that will conclude part one of the Ray Barbie Foolishness podcast. This is Brian Sumner. Stick around for part two where he goes deeper on his spiritual journey and packs some craziness. Share, like, get it out to people, trying to reach the world. And remember 1 Corinthians 1.18, Paul's letter to the church in Corinth. Message of the cross is foolishness to those that are perishing, but to us who are being saved, 
It's the power of God. God bless. This has been brought to you by the One Story Podcast. Hey, Sonata.